Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. What do we really mean by the term risk? And do organizations really understand risk in cyberspace and beyond? The last few years has pushed risk that much higher up the agenda. We've seen an increase in cyber attacks and in the range and motivations of threat actors. The way we work has grown the so-called attack surface as we switch to mobile and remote working. And digitization brings risks as well as benefits. So, how do we balance reducing risks with the need to get the job done? Our guests this week are Pauline Lawson, Director of Cyber Ops, and Todd Carroll, CISO at CyberAngel. They recently surveyed organisations' attitudes to risk. I asked them whether we're in a riskier world now than we were three years ago. Absolutely. I mean, 2019, geez, seems like the good old times, right? <clears throat> Prior to a lot of these issues we dealt with in the pandemic, um, the current economic situation globally, you know, what's going on in Ukraine, um, supply chain issues that stem from, you know, um, uh, COVID, uh, the backing up of, uh, you know, um, goods and materials. Uh, and there's a, yeah, all this it can impact. And uh, I, I believe for sure it's a riskier world and we're not even talking cyber threats yet. And it's just the, whether it's the economic situation we're in, um, you know, are we going to, how far are we going to dive into a recession? Is this, how's this going to impact? Um, everyone is looking much tighter at their spend. They're looking much tighter at, uh, you know, the jobs and the impact of, and then you, you throw in at the economy, right? There were the, uh, the, you mentioned climate change, which is something that you normally hear from a cybersecurity company, but you know, uh, we are a global company and we have people all over the world and we have clients all over the world. But even think about the situation going on in Ukraine and, and, and feeding the world and how much, you know, uh, that impact and the lack of those resources going out. And then you add on it climate change and you add, you know, the fires and, and the, um, the ability of this world to continue on the same pace it is uh, and take care of itself is it's, it's a challenging world and it all has impact on us, whether whether we know it or not. And Todd, obviously, you mentioned all, all this kind of external risks in terms of cybersecurity. Obviously, um, you know, remote work everywhere in the world now um, cause, you know, new risks that are obviously linked to IT systems in general, but uh, more in generally to remote work, uh, less, I'd say, controlled or checkings with the employees. So obviously, this is opening and extending the surface of attack and other, I'm say, business risks are much uh, mostly linked to all digital. Uh, so here we were talking about um, of a use increase of SaaS platforms uh, that you may have less control on in terms of in infrastructure, but also all the cloud applications and all the business moving to the cloud. So these are examples I would say of, of changes we've seen. Um, obviously these existed before in 2019, but I would say that the increase has been uh, major since all of this um, yeah, yours. Um, yeah, we'll come back to the question about cyber-specific risks in a moment. But again, looking at this from a board level, does the fact that we have all these other risks and some of these are very pressing at the moment actually take away attention from what we need to do to secure the digital environment? Yeah, I was going to say that's a, that's a that's a good question. Um, 
I won't say it's a distraction because it is very interrelated, right? Uh, Pauline mentioned uh, that uh, one of the biggest risks um, that we see with a lot of uh, enterprises in the last few years is, you know, the remote work. Um, you know, more people are coming back into the office, but it, the, the norm has changed, especially like, let's say, in the United States, where we see a lot of remote working going on. It creates other issues and concerns. It, it offers some freedoms, it offers some opportunities, but it offers a lot of challenges. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff is interwoven. You know, what's going on in Ukraine? Absolutely, there is a large cyber risk there um, just based on, you know, it's a new, to me, with my background coming from um, US intelligence, that is a battleground, right? That's an area that, uh, you know, nation states are, are, are pushing and pulling on to, um, you know, um, whatever maybe uh, take data, steal data, uh, help their cause uh, at the end of the day. So I think a lot of these is inter uh, interrelated. I don't really think that our digital risks uh, and threats um, are being ignored by the boards uh, because I think a lot of this, uh, several of them are interwoven with uh, the current situation. But it's another tier of problems they have to consider. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's been ramped up and especially like, you know, we keep going back to Ukraine. It's it ramped it up and brought it to the forefront. Um, because now everybody is wondering, oh, you know, what do we have there? Do we have a supply chain issue there? We have people there, um, global economy, global impact. So when you talk about cyber risk, what is your definition of it as an organization? And does it have a particular starting point and end point, given that so many processes, we've already alluded to this in the first few minutes of this conversation, but so many processes are now digitized? So I would say that cyber risk, obviously, it's, um, I mean, it's linked directly to, you know, IT system and digitalization, but in general, um, a cyber risks, I mean, an original cyber threat can actually lead to much more different risk that would be interesting to, to board at the board level and strategy. Uh, so here we're talking about compliance issues with um, pers uh, daily personal, uh, personal data. We're talking about, um, you know, business risk in terms of uh, supply chain that would not work ca uh, caused by a ransomware attack potentially. So we do see cyber risk as I'd say very uh, generic because obviously consequences can be far can go far beyond um, actually in a computer or an IT system I would say. So if we were again to break this down and you've done some research, so by all means update us on where your latest research is, but you did a research report a few months ago. We're saying there's some clear areas where we're seeing an increase in threats and so not necessarily an increase in risk, but an increase in threat. So I think you talked about leaks of source code, cloud storage leaks. Uh, there may be others in there as well that are worth highlighting. But are there areas, are there areas where you would say, yeah, doing business online is becoming riskier? So if I could start with that, um, the <clears throat> areas we see where, you know, listen, with, with COVID, the remote work, there was the further race to the cloud, right? Before, you know, yes, everybody was moving to the cloud, saved money. You know, it was an economic, it was a good economic uh, choice. It pushed a lot of enterprises to make changes very quickly um, and not be ready for those changes. So we see a lot of um, negligence when it comes to risk uh, on that side, meaning that um, people are operating in, you know, systems, they're, they're sharing data, they're uh, passing uh, through business units. Um, it's created more risk uh, using these systems, whether it's, um, you know, on top of that, you add the risk of the supply chain, supply chain attacks, the attackers are now, you know, turning to those areas 
where we see that, you know, it maybe I want to get to this enterprise or I want this set of data. Well, why, why go to the source when I can just go to someone that's not as protected or uh, doesn't know what they're doing when it comes to setting up a, you know, a cloud share or securing a database or, um, you know, what's the threat of hooking an IOT device up to the network and not informing, you know, IT. And, and these are all real world things that we see every day that it's really that external risk area um, and the unknowns of how do they defend that, how they're aware of it that adds to that, right? First part of risk is you got to understand what what's out there uh, and how does it impact you before you can, you know, try to mitigate it or, or whatever. And that's, that's really where I think the challenges are. The blind spot has become much bigger uh, for, you know, people like me and CISOs that have to deal with and protect a global remote workforce. Yeah, if I may add one of the, I'd say the interest figures that we uh, identified in this report is obviously on what Todd mentioned is basically the shadow assets. So everything that is linked to shadow IT, we did see a huge increase um, in that area that is either linked to negligence, as we said, but also um, just linked to um, the complexity of the um, ecosystem, the complexity of the third party that are working on, on projects in other countries and other business yeah, areas. So I would say that indeed, this is one of the, the, you know, the figures that really um, were interesting for us uh, because overall in all, um, all type of industry, we did see a, a large increase of these shadow assets that we discovered for um, our customers. And are we seeing organizations move to control these assets or potentially close some of them down? So right at the start of the pandemic and the start of the lockdowns, I spoke to Amar Singh on this program, who's the head of the Cyber Management Alliance in the UK. And he talked about that whole journey to the cloud, the journey to remote working, the journey to personal devices, and that organizations would need to go and review that at some point in the future and reintroduce security controls that maybe they had to depreciate or relax in order to facilitate that move to home working. An interesting question. I've had him back on the program since so we discussed it, and he thought that by no means all organizations had done that. That was about a year ago. Are we seeing now organizations start to bring these technologies back inside the security apparatus that they have, or indeed turn some of them off if they are not considered to be compatible with enterprise security and the threat as we see it today? So I don't think we're seeing that at all. I don't think we're able to pull things in, right? It's speed of business is always going to come first. Security, unfortunately, uh, will come second. And I think laxing some of the uh, controls during the pandemic to make sure the business was working so that you know, the worker could work from home and do this. Yes, I think it's being pulled in with some, you know, processes and policies and stuff like that. But listen, we get used to working that way. And uh, humans get used to doing things a certain way, uh, order of convenience. Uh, I think that, you know, we are starting to pull some of that uh, information um, back or limit the use of or the identification. But uh, I think really where they struggle right now and where we see is just they just don't know what assets are out there and what assets are t- touching their you know data or um, even their infrastructure because you know the, the the days of the firewalls and the perimeter and stuff like that is completely gone and you know the the external tax surface has grown quite a bit and you know I think the first part is identification you can't protect what you don't know. Um, 
and the battle of, you know, like you said, these devices, are we going to start shutting them down? Uh, well, you got to figure it out. You got to, you got to know what's on it uh, before you can, uh, you know, what's, what's uh, identification of what's touching your systems before you can do that. And it's not as easy as it sounds. It, it is a challenge, but we are still consenting. We see from our point of view, we still see this as a growing issue and concern. It's not getting better. We just see more and more devices out there. Yeah, I completely agree with Tad with um, what we are doing for our customers on a daily basis. We haven't seen any uh, decrease or um, a slowdown, I would say, of this type of um, assets or services that are linked uh, to the remote work. So indeed, I would say that now it might have been out of control um, and thus it's difficult to come back to uh, what it was before um, COVID and, and remote work. So we can't undo the progress if indeed it is progress that's been made. That does raise some very interesting questions then about control and risk within the organization, because to some extent we've agreed to give up control, if that's not taking the point too far. And now we have to mitigate that additional risk. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, yes, we, we, you know, we pivoted because of a situation, um, <clears throat> went to remote working, had a lax so that we could get business done and now people just they expect it, right? Um, and it's it just it adds another layer of challenges to not only securing um, you know <laughs> the network that you used to be able to control on a daily basis. Now you're trying to uh, you know control what is out there, um, who's touching what, what access are they are they what are they doing on their you know whether it's an issued laptop or, or, you know, can you be aware that they're, they're pulling data down into a remote drive that's left exposed. And it's a real challenge. Um, I wouldn't say CISOs are happy about this, that they can, but with those types of changes come, you know, tools that, that need to help them identify. Right. Um, one thing I talk about all the time um, and uh, when I talk to companies or I talk to others is, you know, make sure you're challenging your your current vendor stack, right? It's it's not what it used to be. Are they stepping up to the, your challenges of today? Are they, what is your risk, right? Is it important? Um, do you know, right? Okay, you lose control of your website. Is it critical to you? Are you an online vendor or, okay, I just take it down put up the, the old version, right? Or, or something like that. Is that critical? Because you can't protect everything. So identification of what is really critical to you and then taking the steps to actually, um, you know, uh, secure that because you can't do everything. Yeah. And if I may add, I would say that um, it will be difficult to actually have everybody's attention in an organization if cybersecurity and security in general is not like everybody's job <laughs> in a sense in a way that um, obviously it cannot, it cannot be just one team working to cover other people's mistakes. So let's say this way, but it has to be like, everybody has to be involved and at all levels of the company, um, all the up, uh, all the way to the top so that it actually makes sense. And it's like a, an objective for everybody, unless we have this commitment, I would say that it's, it probably will be difficult to uh, um, yeah, involve everybody into a, a yeah, reach the objectives of um, having a better uh, cybersecurity. So has our view on the attack surface changed? Because there was always an assumption that we could build a bigger wall around things. And then we moved towards this idea that actually we couldn't and the perimeter was gone. 
but it, it hadn't really, and the mentality hadn't moved on. Although the perimeter was very porous, organizations still saw the perimeter as something that they should be working within and outside of different approaches. Have we now moved permanently to this de-perimeterization of security and actually we need to start looking at different things, whether that's behavior, endpoint security, doing different things with data management, uh, indeed even potentially saying these processes cannot be run in certain ways. So if you're accessing this process from, say, a remote device at home, actually you can't. Uh, you're going to have to do that some other way or you will have to go fall back to the old VPN type technology or something like that that we can secure. I don't know if we're at that point yet, but that seems to be the direction of travel. Yeah, so the perimeter has changed, right? And the external attack surface is, is absolutely grown, right? It, listen, the hackers and the bad guys are still using the same techniques, tried and true, right? Phishing, uh, you know, uh, credential stuffing, SQL injection, whatever, because those work. But now they're changing the techniques to who they're attacking in order to get to critical data because, you know, there's nobody out there that's doing it by themselves. There's not one organization in the world that doesn't have a massive either supply chain or third party chain that they have to rely on to get things done. So, you know, they're changing the um, maybe the target sometimes in order to get to and pivot because all these things are interconnected and related. And that's probably where we have to understand better. How do things interconnect? How does, you know, uh, whether it's your HR, HR uh, you know, outsourcing, right? How does that connect back into your systems? Are you aware of that as a CISO? And and how do you have a say in the control of it? In the days of, well, we'll send them an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, they'll they'll say they've got this, this, and this, and they've got to multi-factor authentication. Is anybody checking it, right? We, we trust, but there's that verify model. And that's where really we need to get to is that we have to have tools and techniques in order to look at our critical vendors, look at where our critical data is going, where is the inputs at, where are we storing it and test those areas, test those areas and identify where it is, who it is and how do we protect it? How do we work with each other? Because this isn't, you know, uh, my organization versus yours. We are interconnected one way or another. How do we do this together and to make sure that when you say you're signing that contract and that data security part of that um, contract, you're actually doing what you say you're doing and you're protecting my data as much as you're protecting um, your own. Yeah, I would say that it's def definitely linked to um, you know, what we tend to do um, in our business in a way that we are not looking at the perimeter. We're not um, on premises, but we actually are looking for everything that is out there. So obviously for us, we do trust that um, you know, this perimeter is over. It's like everything is beyond um, the limits of the of an organization's uh, system. So we definitely do think that everybody has to go out there and check and um, securing all these uh, steps and all these partners. It's not just um, the IT or the cybersecurity team, but needs um, yeah everybody's uh, involvement, even procurement when you're signing a contract. If there's a close link to uh, data protection, well, let's make sure that it's enforced uh, if it needs to, so that at some point, um, these make sense, and we do get in a world where um, uh, you have we have more security because at the end everybody's concerned when it's uh, about consumer data. I would say. And in your report, you specifically mentioned the impact on customers of uh, cybersecurity incidents. So, is it possible to just expand on that a little bit? Are we seeing a growing impact on customers? Obviously, there's an impact on businesses in terms of lost revenue, but are we seeing growing impact on directly on the end customer, which might in turn change their behaviour in the future? 
Yeah, well, consumer and, and, and as a client's um, data is is obviously, uh, I mean, anyone's impacted. I would say that now um, the employees, for example, credentials in, in a type of phishing attack, the employees are going to be targeted, but at the end, um, impacts can be on, on the customers and customers. Um, so what we are seeing, obviously, is... Um, very basic data, like emails, password. But obviously, when you go to uh, far more um, uh, personal data, like for example, medical information, we do have, we do see here, um, let's say, an increase of uh, risk that are linked to usage of, of this data about um, like securing identity and any type of personal data that, that could have consequences up to uh, the insurance and and all these things. So obviously, we do think that. Um, there is definitely a, a big risks for actually anyone. And what we see, what's interesting is that we see different in terms of the industries. Sometimes uh, some are actually uh, wanted to, to take further actions to um, mitigate these risks and are seeing uh, definitely as uh, consumer data is one of the highest, um, I'd say, type of reports that we could send. So this is um, why it's interesting to see uh, that some industries are uh, being formal concerned on this, especially when it's linked to medical data. What should we be doing about that then? I'd say it's um, <laughs> choosing who we work with. Uh, I know that some, I mean, it's all linked. Uh, when we talk about medical information, it's always linked to uh, regulations. So it's very different from the countries we're in. But I would say that in general, um, making sure that we just don't put our data anywhere we want. Uh, we always say when it's free, it means that you're actually the product. So let's keep that in mind when everybody's using the internet and any application every day. Um, so this is, yeah, it's a basic knowledge of, of security, of securing our own um, identity. But I hope that now, as we have that many users, um, we have more protection. I mean, there's more communication ab about this and about how important it, it is to uh, secure each and everyone's uh, yeah, personal information. What about the loss of access to data and the loss of access to records and information as a result of a cyber incident. And we've seen one just this week at the point where we're recording this in the UK where there's been an incident which has affected some parts of the health service and some physicians are unable to access their patient records, causing appointments to be postponed and so forth. And we saw similar with the Irish Health Board uh, when they were victim of a ransomware attack earlier on uh, in the year. So again, is that disruption to customers something that's coming higher up the management agenda, the leadership agenda, and is it something that feeds into the risk model and they need to actually deal with or put in place measures so that actually they can continue to service customers even if there's a problem with a cyber incident? Yeah. So when <clears throat> these types of situations happen and, you know, I think where boards are finally starting to, to wrap their head around, it's just not a ransomware issue. It's just not, well, someone encrypts our data. When you have your data encrypted, majority of the time you've you've lost control of that. So what the person's doing with that data are, you know, my concerns always is just, well, yes, it's not available, but is it, is the structure, you know, um, whether you get it back or how you get it back um, or do you have backups or whatever, is it, is it still the integrity of the data still there, right? You lost the confidentiality, you lost the access to it. Is the integrity still there? Is it still good data if you get it back? But what else are they doing in, in the system? Is it, is it an annoyance? But when it impacts healthcare, um, you know, it tends to get more attention because, you know, this can be impact someone's life. And, um, it's, uh, you know, the hackers are, are looking at this as, as a way of, 
uh, of this. No one wants to, well, you know, no one wants their name in the, you know, in the newspaper. No one wants to be, well, look who got hit now and, and have an impact on and whether they go to, but the healthcare system is, is different. But where do they get there? How do they get there? And knowing how, you know, the, the hacker operated got to that area. Majority of time, what we see, and we started with this earlier, I mentioned it about negligence, right? Majority of the time, this is areas that there was just negligence. Something wasn't done correctly. Something was exposed to someone, you know, repeated their credentials a thousand different times. They were, you know, we've been talking about passwords forever. We're talking about, you know, two-factor authentication. These are low, I won't say low-hanging fruit, but let's not make it easy for the hackers to get there and do these types of things to our organizations and to our industries. Um, there's the tools and techniques that are out there. It's just the enforcement of, and knowing, you know, like I said, this is very, you know, if it's, it's at that level, it's critical. Why is that not protected? Where is the cyber spend to make sure that these things do not happen? And if you don't take off the, and make it easy for the hackers to, to, to see the data and get to it, um, you know, like I said, majority of what we see can be stopped ahead of time. And that's what part of our services are, is that the identification of just things that are don't need to be there and, not, and don't need to be exposed and helping our clients stop these type of attacks before they even happen. And notwithstanding what we've actually talked about today, so many of these vulnerabilities come back down to something that is known about and has been patched, but the patch hasn't been applied. But then that must come back down to the, the awareness point and going back to where we started with, you know, organization's perception of risk, has it changed? Are they more aware of the damage, we say the loss of confidentiality, integrity and access to the data and actually how that impacts their customers? So potentially, do these cyber risks move higher up the agenda and does moving them higher up the agenda actually prompt action to close down some of those vulnerabilities, which you know, some of them are new, sure, but many of them are not actually new. Yeah, I think it was what Microsoft yesterday came out and backtracked on something they said was a vulnerability uh, over two years ago. And I'm like, well, now it's not a vulnerability because they can't they can't fully close it or patch it. It should. You know, I, I would love to say that, yes, the awareness is up there and, and people are paying attention and there's more money through cybersecurity and it's being tackled. It's still a game of whack-a-mole to me. Um, there's certain organizations and clients we have that take this very seriously and they don't want it to happen. You know, and there's others that... You know, it's okay. It's a risk. I understand it. Am I going to accept it? And hopefully it won't be us. And, you know, uh, hope is not a strategy, as I like to say, but it's, it's not something you can, you know, you've got to be, especially in today's economy, a better steward of your, or your dollars, whether it's for, for whatever it is. Um, but the impact of that and not being the next one, there's a lot of, you know, organizations out there playing, I wouldn't say playing games, but they've decided to go a different direction or say, well, it probably won't be us and what will be the impact? And if it is, can we mitigate it through other means, right? It used to be cyber insurance. Cyber insurance is now incredibly expensive. Um, and, and the, the, you know, those things are getting much tighter. So I'd like to say it's getting better. I'd like to say, I think the awareness is more, but I don't have not seen a major change. And especially in today's economy where we're looking at the dollar spend, um, you know, this is one area that I think is getting is getting impacted big time, and it's not good for the organizations. One thing that maybe everybody should understand at all levels of organization is that now it's not about targeting um, and attacking um, other organization for, let's say, a, 
ideological point of view, but now for hackers, it's become so much easier to launch any type of attack. So we even talk about RAS ransomware as a service. So basically it was uh, some money and just one access and some ability, I would say in, in, in uh, coding, you, anyone almost could actually launch any attack. So I would say that as it's almost easier now for hackers to actually become one, um, anyone has to be, I'd say, prepared. Uh, and obviously we mentioned kind of um, in organizations that are being targeted and linked to um, customer or uh, individual risks, obviously um, all the organization that have direct link to and that could um, have an impact on, this, on the comp the society in general uh, would be could be a victim. So obviously anyone should be ready to um, feel like they could be uh, the next uh, victim and thus have the um, behavior that is needed to actually um, uh, proactively work uh, and protect the organization for, from any type of cyber attacks. So hope is not a strategy, but at the same time, it's unrealistic to expect any organization to be able to eliminate all cyber risk. Absolutely. There, there, there's there's no way to do that. It's, you know, you got to identify which, where your biggest risks are. You got to, what can you do to to challenge that, whether it's, you know, internally, externally, or and how what's the impact going to be to the business, right? Yeah, I can cut everybody off the internet at work today, and but we're not going to get any business done. So that's, that's not realistic, but there's got to be that balance of what is our best solution to, guard what we need to guard, be aware of the risks that are out there. Um, make sure that we're thinking ahead, right? Um, where are the new challenges coming from? It's not, you know, the cybersecurity, uh, you know, attack vectors we saw before, but it's still the same techniques. So where do we, we do this? How do we, you know, communicate together across verticals to make sure that we understand where the threats are coming from? Um, and look for those mitigation actions. Um, you know, and that's, that's, I, I think putting some thought into it, um, thinking about where you need to be and, and what you need to uh, take care of, I think is, uh, you know, the best start, uh, which is very hard. It, there's a, there's a lot of threats coming in in a, in a lot of different areas. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a sector that is, um, you know, um, we're always looking for good employees. Everybody is. Everybody's struggling and, and fighting for the same employees. So it's becoming more and more expensive. Um, however, it's not going away. It's part of the business. It's part of, you know, um, what we talked about before. The landscape is bigger. Everybody's remote. We've got to figure out ways of, of um, being able to secure ourselves, uh, especially at the critical levels. Todd Carroll of Cyber Angel on how it's impossible to eliminate all risk. It goes back to understanding the risks that the business is willing to take. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. We'll be back on Wednesday, September the 21st, when our guest will be Stephen Fennell of the IEEE, talking about why not all passwords are created equal. We hope you can join us then. Meanwhile, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and, of course, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.